Just a little love note to all of our loyal free cookie listeners and to anyone who might be new to the show. This is an ad-free podcast. And we want to keep it that way. We want to make sure that we can just give you guys the awesome content, the great interviews. and Without the stuff that you have to fast forward. But in order to do that, we need your support. So if you could join us over at patreon.com forward slash free cookies and become a patron of the show, there are many tiers that you can join. You can throw us a dollar, you can do five. And it turns out we're going to start putting some content up for those of you who are hardcore free cookie supporters. We're going to make this worth your while. So if there's some of you out there who just listen to the show, and you feel like, hey, you know what? I could, I could spend two, three bucks a month. Great. If you guys need a little something as incentive, we're going to put some videos up on Patreon that are going to be exclusive to those of you who are free cookie monsters. And I mean, we're talking some good content. Like I'm going to take you inside my sneaker closet, like that kind of content, you know? And I will contribute recipes and perhaps every now and then our dog will give you a soliloquy. So again, that is patreon.com forward slash free cookies. Thank you. Thanks. I'm Catherine Budig. And I'm Kate Fagan. And this is Free Cookies, a humorous podcast filled with thoughtful conversations and offering delicious takeaways. And today. And today we are switching it up a little bit because aren't we having a guest on the show? We're not having a guest. We're having a ghost. We're having the spirit. The spirit of a guest. Yes. We are going to discuss the a, a specific thought from a famous literary figure. In a non-spooky kind of way. Yes. No, no. <laughs> well, if it was spooky, that'd be pretty exciting too. <laughs> so we are going to be talking about one specific idea from the mind of Susan Sontag, because there was a really beautiful biography of her written last year called Sontag. And Susan Sontag is a like one of the the first kind of like intellectuals, right? In the fifties, sixties, and seventies, she's a writer and author, like a thinker and activist. She she died in two thousand four, but she wrote like notes on camp on photography, and kind of like if you think of that like um, like Hemingway in Paris kind of mm-hmm. idea of like oh all of the famous artists were in Paris, and it was like. Hemingway, and I can't even think of another one, but Sontag <laughs> was like that for New York. She was like the ultimate insider. And she had she was also like that quote-unquote critical thinker. So that's Susan Sontag. What yes. are you looking up? And well, the, the biography on her got the 2020 Pulitzer Prize for a biography. Yes. So, um, but but the reason that we're, we're talking about this one idea of hers today is because it feels particularly pertinent for the world we're living in that is so And conversations that have just been yeah. coming up in our relationship on a regular basis. Yeah. So, so Sontag wrote something called On Photography uh, that I read a couple of years back that I included in What Made Maddie Run. And the idea that was really interesting to me was that she was saying that we as a culture, and, and she wrote this back in like the 60s and 70s. So we're not even talking about social media and Instagram and the way photography drives how we feel about each other today. This is like 50 years ago. She was saying that we have this idea that photography is unbiased, that it, right. you, that a photographer- Especially within journalism. Yes. Or, or anything. It's like, oh, they captured that moment and that moment that they captured- a raw, pure, yes. unadulterated, Yeah. And she just kind of blew that idea out of the water, talking about how manipulative photography can be 
in the same way that the written word can be manipulative and that photography can manipulate the truth in the same way. Right. In the same way that if you are having wedding photos taken and you want those beautiful candid shots, everyone's still conscious of the fact that there's a photographer in the room. So yeah. whether or not you are looking directly into the lens and smiling and posing, if you still know someone is creeping in the corner, pointing a camera at you, there is some performative level of like, you're not going to sit there and pick your nose. Damn girl, you just went there. Picking, pick it for some reason. I mean, I don't want to divert too far, but the idea of picking your nose is like, it, it, considering last week we talked about poop, I don't know what to say about this, but picking the nose like really makes me cringe internally. So poop, poop is delightful compared to talking about picking your okay. nose. But you know what? We're going to we rise, we're going to rise above. So I'm reading Sontag, this biography, and I come across this line um, that the author quotes of Sontag's in it. And it's, it's just this impossible to feel sincere while having one's photograph taken. Mm -hmm. And I think that's, it was, it's almost an obvious thought. So again, impossible to feel sincere while having one's photograph taken. And I think the reason I brought it up was in response to you seeing an Instagram photo and then the post accompanying it and feeling like the juxtaposition between what the image was saying and then what the words were saying. So forced. Yes. So many thirsty, thirsty photos that then get flipped retroactively to fit into like this suit that's too small that's supposed to be this great raw idea that is exposing the soul of the person in the photo when it's just a thirsty photo. Yeah. And so you were, you were talking about like coming across this photo and feeling like, okay, you know, here's this photo of like, you know, a, a woman soaking wet in a bikini. And yet the language underneath it is like felt too vulnerable to post this. But then I thought, you know what? Uh, we all need to embrace the human body kind of mm -hmm. idea, which we see proliferated across social media these days. And as some, one example. And, yeah, absolutely. As one example. And what really struck me was like going back to this quote from, from Susan Sontag, impossible to feel sincere while having one's photograph taken, is how I feel like we're living in this world right now where people are forgetting that there's something completely inauthentic and insincere about taking a photo, taking a photo of yourself. Mm -hmm. And that their way around this insincerity or inauthenticity is to try to overcompensate with like the text that accompanies the photo and like wrapping it in a super authentic and sincere coding. And the thing that's really actually interesting that popped into my head about this, and I believe if you go back to Victorian times, and I could be wrong, but I think this is roughly when, you know, photos were just being developed where you had like the big, <laughs> you know, when they would take it and they'd have to get under right, the, and the little it, hood and everything. It was almost like a praying mantis. It was gone forever, yes, right? Like that one bulb. In that era when photography was first being established. <laughs> I don't and again, know why I said praying mantis gone forever. That's because my mom was talking about a praying mantis. My, oh, my brother. Kill, yes. How they kill their mate. Okay. Side note, okay, friends. Right. Side note. And Anyway, but um, I do believe in that era, there was this concept with a lot of people that if you had your photo taken, it was capturing part of your soul. Yes. And many people didn't like to have their photograph taken because they thought every time a little part of their soul was being captured and, you know, pressed into this, this image. Yeah. Um, and so I just, I, that is such an interesting construct because how many photos, I mean, think about it, listeners, how many photos do you think especially now that we have the selfie, do you potentially take of yourself per day or per week? Yeah. Compared to uh, Sontag's time when it was actual film that had to get developed and there wasn't the, the feedback screen where yeah. you could instantaneously be like, that was good lighting, that was a good angle of me. No, delete that, do it again, delete it, do it again. 
and just the evolution of this. And you look back to the original photographs where it's like, it is like a, a little suction of soul every yeah. single time because it takes us further and further away, like Sontag said, to... Uh, like true vulnerability and, and true authenticity. Yeah, because so she so she's writing this idea of like the insincere, insincerity of having your photo taken, and this was in a, a time period where you had to go, like you were talking about on on our our walk this morning, you had to go into a dark room and produce the photo of this moment. Mm -hmm. There was no immediate understanding of what that photo would hold. Was it a good photo? Was it a bad photo? So, Did it capture what we were trying to capture? Yeah, so she's so this idea already like it's it's no it's not a new idea to suggest this about photo that photography has always been curated. Right? It, like going back until while the camera when the camera was first invented, like there was a curated like nature to photography and things were staged even though we're supposed to seem impromptu. Like that's not a new idea, but at least then, right? At least then you couldn't know in the moment if you'd captured the thing that you yes. were going to cap and you couldn't manipulate it in a minute way or you could if you were, I guess if you were really adept and you were like, put that cigar a little bit higher, you know, right. I'm sure things like that were happening, but you couldn't live in yourself and in your mind back then and say like, have the automatic feedback loop of taking a hundred of one thing in like a microscopic change in each movement to get, to capture this like image that reflected what you felt was like the most quote unquote authentic version of yourself. Well, and also historically speaking, if you look at it back in the day, I feel like photography was meant as this supplemental storytelling tactic to feed word, to yeah. feed the written word. So, you know, within articles, like you're getting the true feeling through the words and then maybe there's this image that flourishes some of the concepts. And I'm afraid of what's happening now is it's being inverted where the storytelling is all happening through images and then we've got like these little Instagram blurbs underneath when the true story should be coming from the words, capturing what's happening. And instead, we're making up stories around an image yes. that the words don't actually correlate with what's happening yeah. in the image, but we're like pulling our ideas out of what we want that to be. Okay, so that's a good point because I think one of the, I, one of the ideas this made me think of was that you know, before pre, I guess we're saying pre what Apple phone, pre photography proliferating the way it has, there was the authenticity gap, absolutely, that existed. Mm -hmm. Like, but the gap between what the photo said and what whatever authenticity there was was smaller. Yes. Whereas now, I feel like the gap between the sincerity of the photo and the authenticity of the photo and what we're telling people the photo is about is so wide that we're having to do like backflips to pretend that it has anything to do with what we're talking about. And I think so. And and I I, I think what I'm, what I'm seeing more and more of is that I'll see photos as I'm like on platforms and then the words don't match it, but I'm not allowed to, to say anything about that. Right. Like I'm not allowed to, act well, especially if it's a message of empowerment, because you yes. don't want to be, want to be the person going in trying to, you know, be anti-feminist or, or, or anti body positivity yeah. or something along those lines. There just doesn't seem to be as much like honest, truth being like, okay, look, I 
was feeling insecure today and I was missing the feedback loop of Instagram. And so I took this photo of myself and I'm- And it's thirsty, please double tack because I need some attention. Right, and this is like, I guess on one level, that's what we're talking about. But on a bigger level, I'm just wondering because I find myself less feeling like photographs inspire in me aspiration. Like, you know, magazines were always Mm -hmm. said before that- you know, they're aspirational. So but it's a magazine, so you don't feel too bad because you're like, these are celebrities and these are people at a photo, a professional photo yeah. shoot. And now on Instagram, it's, this is everybody. Everybody's living the life that I want because they have all the filters and they have the time to set up the photo. And then it, it's depressing. I mean, there's so many people that I've had to unfollow. I mean, you do you, you, those people. But I mean, they're people I had to unfollow because it just... I'm like, I want to go to a hotel room and have a bucket of like five bottles of champagne waiting for me. And I want to do this and I want to do that. And I want to, and it's, I don't even care. Like, I don't really need to go to a hotel and have a bucket of like multiple bottles of champagne. I mean, but that would be okay. But it it Mm -hmm. does create this bizarre, um, like twilight zone of what's real and what isn't real and what's performative and, and what's authentic. And, and I do think that the yoga community, and I know because I personally feel that I have been guilty of this. Uh, the yoga community, like y'all know what's up. Like if I know I have a lot of yoga listeners from my side here. And I, I mean, the, the, the yoga practice, the, the postures, the asana were never intended to be photographed. We're never intended to be performative. We're never intended to truly even be like what the path of yoga is about. And yet, because social media is now um, someone's website, right? It's their calling card. It's their business page. And if you teach yoga... Like the natural thing is like, I'm going to post pictures of me doing yoga poses, but I can't tell you how many times I've been guilty of it. I see people being guilty of it. I try to check myself anytime I post now where it's like, wh- why am I finding this like pretty well lit, often scantily clad shape of my body in a yoga pose and trying to correlate it to something deep, trying to correlate it to some message Right. Some deeper statement where it's like, damn, I look good in this pose. You know, it's just, an, and I know people within the yoga world really struggle with that. And I was even talking to my friend Amira, who is, you know, just starting Zoom yoga sessions. And, and she's like, how do I do authentic branding in yoga? Well, and that's the thing is what we're saying here is like, you cannot it's virtually impossible. Impossible to feel sincere while having one's yeah. photograph taken. Exactly. So then if you're in the yoga world or in any world and it's now what has to drive your brand all the time is photos. Mm-hmm. But if you're coming from like the sincere, cause you, I mean, yoga by definition is supposed to be sincere, but the sincere right? images sincere? don't get likes. That's the problem is that well, we are well, a society. They no, want the pretty no photos. Sincere images. Well, true. But I mean, I could post a photo of an apple sitting uh, like a still life, right? And then I could say something really important. And we can't say that that apple is being insincere. Or I could post like a lotus flower rising from the mud or, you know, whatever it is. Like it could be something that like inanimate object that has no choice but to be what it is. Yeah. But I, I do think like the, the problem is our culture is thirsty for thirsty photos. Like we want those images as much as we love to hate them. It's also what drives traffic. It's what gets attention and it's encouraging people to make these choices instead of sticking to their message. I I don't know if I'm going to be able to articulate this exactly how it, it feels in my head, but there's some idea there that the insincerity of photos has always been there, but 
the gap between how we presented them was smaller, the, mm-hmm. that it would sometimes feel aspirational. Like I know that that model in that, you know, on that Greek island isn't real, but it's presented in a way where I know that there's in inauthenticity there and I'm wrapping that but into it my mind. something for you. Like collages. But so I guess what I'm saying, sorry, what I'm trying just before it lose. Yeah, totally. Zip. Sorry. I just, I so there's something there where that gap between sincerity and the, and how it's presented being closer has gone from making me feel that photos are aspirational to now the backflips we do to take, to put, authentic words around insincere photos makes me feel envious. Mm. There's envy that occurs now. Envy of the image or envy of what's trying to be portrayed through the script? Envy because we've gone from, here's a magazine that I know was created to show me aspirational things Mm -hmm. to apparently everyone's life now looks a certain way and then therefore there's envy that my internal life doesn't look the same way. Sure. Versus the way I used to, the, the bombardment level now has morphed aspiration into envy in my, in, in my own, in, in my own soul, I guess you could say. Of course. And everyone's going to react differently. You know, it, it's the, the, the age old thing, like what's aspirational to one person will be insulting to another. And, um, you know, that's a lesson that the younger version of me, well, I didn't learn it when I was younger, but I now understand it because I've talked a lot about body image throughout my public platform career. And I've been very open with how I feel in my body and just like the struggles of being in the spotlight where people feel like they can say whatever they want about your body. And I wrote an article for Women's Health Magazine, I don't know, eight years ago, seven years ago, talking about, you know, when I was auditioning for a DVD and how the producer told me I was fabulous, but I had a tie around my waist and I was never going to be camera ready and blah, 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 blah. And like, it, um, it fucked me up. Like it really fucked me up. And you know, that on top of like already being a human and just having the natural insecurities that every single person has around their bodies. But I did a photo shoot for my book, Aim True, that God, the problem with publishing a book, people, is like it is just there. It is there forever, and you can't go back and change things. But I did this photo shoot that I thought at the time was really raw and vulnerable. And, <clears throat> you know, I'm like full hair, full makeup. And I took these photos of me wearing like beautiful lacy underwear. And I don't have on a bra, and I'm covering my boobs. And I wasn't, you know, at my like prime yoga body. And I felt softer than I'd ever felt before. And I felt very vulnerable in these photos because it didn't line up with what I thought in my head was what people wanted from me and what like society wanted from me. And so I thought I was being vulnerable by taking these photos. But when I look at that photo now, it makes me, it, it, it probably evokes the same emotions in me that like when you think of someone picking their nose, like it's <laughs> just, it is because at the time, like I did get some backlash from people being like, this is bullshit. Like, oh, poor you, you're like size four body, poor you. And that's a lesson that I had to understand that like, yes, everyone is entitled to feel the, the neuroses that they have around their body. But if you have a public platform and you're sharing these images and which many of them are very filtered and thought out and photo shoot and whatnot, like you have to be conscious of who you're trying to reach and also who you're going to hurt. 
And that's not something that I understood. And I think with the power of these photos, like what you think is vulnerable and what people might actually think is authentic is it, it's it's bullcrap. It's bullcrap. Who am I? Bullcrap. Bull that's like an old Western way of saying bullshit. That's some bullcrap. That's some bullcrap. So um, one other thing that was coming up when you were telling that story was how the so if so if someone's putting what am I trying to correlate here? If someone's putting out a photo that you know there's like one level of internal motivation and what they want, but what they're saying the photo was about is the opposite of that. And you're not really allowed to call out the difference. Yeah. I feel like there's some sort of broader connection to make too with the insincerity and the lack of truth that goes on in our society broadly now mm -hmm. with the divisions that we have with one another. It's like, we, we can all say one thing means one thing we see, one thing that happens, it means one thing to one set of people and another thing to another set of people. Right, and that's always going to be that way. It's always going to be that way, but it feels exacerbated right now. Well, yes, because everything is put online. Nothing is hidden. Nothing is swept on. You know, it's just it's all there for everyone to comment on all the time. And we didn't have that before. Um, so I guess before we wrap up our, our discussion on Susan Sontag, um, I'm sure Susan's really excited about this like conversation. She's rolling that we're over in her grave right now. Like these, she she was, you know, she wouldn't be afraid to tell people when they were dumb and they were like dumbing down her really smart ideas. So I hope that she's honored with our discussion <laughs> right now. But, um, uh, so yesterday we, yesterday we were in this house that we were in right now and I'll, I'll tell this story even though Where you don't know what I'm going. What's happening? And you had, you had put up a photo that I had taken on your personal Instagram page, right? So you're in that beautiful broker dress. Yes. In our bathtub, which is what people do. They hang out with, on ball it, gowns in their bathtub. Clearly a super candid photo. Um, <laughs> and you, it, it's a beautiful photo, but like it quote unquote doesn't perform as well, right? As like right. other photos. Like if we put up a photo of us kissing... That would get 10 People times love that the likes. Oh. Um, and we're, I was walking up the stairs and you were just calling down like, I'm just surprised that this photo. I was on the squatty potty, by the is, way, you guys. I'm, I'm just surprised. <laughs> like if, we're, if we're going for true transparency. And to, and to link last episode with this episode. Full circle. Um, I'm just surprised this photo's not doing as well. And, and I agree with you because it's a lovely photo. It's very sincere. It's super <laughs> sincere. Um, and I just sort of stopped on the stairs on the way up and I was just like, fuck all of this. I know. Why do I fucking care? Why am I worried about some bullshit photo, right? Is that okay to say that? Like, Absolutely. Some inauthentic photo that we stage that's trying to capture, you know, like a dreamy, a daydream. Am I okay here? Like daydreaming Let about a book. And now I'm like, now your feelings are kind of hurt, but not really hurt that the photo's not doing well on Instagram, but I don't even fucking want to be on Instagram. Why is all of this happening? What, like, and everyone feels this way. Not everyone. A lot of people feel this way. I would say most people feel this and way. And so I'm like, what are we all doing? What are we all doing? Especially when we know that's like impossible to feel sincere when having one's photograph taken. And now one of the pillars of our culture is all of us taking insincere photos and pretending they're sincere. And we've all agreed that that's like going to be one of the pillars of how we interact with one another and how we see one another is a lens through which it's clearly insincere. Absolutely. It's slowly corroding the soul. But and you know what's not insincere? The effect on you. No, I know. And I, I think it's also frustrating because when you do post something that does feel sincere to you, 
and it doesn't perform well. That's even worse when you're posting something that's, I mean, like think about just sharing, you know, all the racial injustice things that are happening right now right. and the call to actions and, you know, begging people to vote and, and to show up for the polls. And I mean, those posts occasionally they'll blow up, but most of them are tiny for me. And that fucking hurts my heart, you know? And it, it's just, but also at the end of the day, like, what does that mean? Does that mean people don't care? Does that mean people are just like scrolling so fast and they're, you know, minds and souls are getting corroded that they don't take the time to slow down unless it's like a picture of a fluffy baby donkey riding a zebra that is dressed up as a unicorn that is ideally on one of those little mobile vacuums. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> that's where we're at. <laughs> like one of those vacuums that goes throughout the house, even when yeah, you're like, not you know, the, it, the, the kitty and the little, one. the dragon. Yeah, that guy. Oh my God. Yeah. I think we came full circle. We started the episode talking about little vacuums, right? Isn't that how we started it? <laughs> I can't even remember that far back. That was a joke, my love. <laughs> All right. Well, that was it. Should I read my Sontag sentence again for like the 17th time? Sure. I'll see if anyone reviews anyway, the Anyway, who wants to be sincere with me offline? Anybody? It sounds like a come on, actually, doesn't it, now that I say it? <laughs> <laughs> That'll do it. Susan Sontag, thanks for joining us. Bye-bye. We're back. We were gone for 30 seconds, you guys, but we're back. But we were going to act like that was a big interview, and we just had to... Susan Sontag. Decompress. And Thank you for coming on the show. Thank you for um, fueling us with your spirit. But I guess a big takeaway, everybody, cookie monsters. Nom, 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 nom. You know, this week, and, and maybe this is a project for Kate and I, is if you are taking a photo that you want to post, like, what if you take one photo, like pretend like it's a real film camera and just take the photo and walk away. Not like photo check. Oh, the lighting's bad. Photo check. Oh, that's going to need a filter photo. Check, you know, just like, and, and maybe we should all become stalkers again. And I'm going to start taking photos of Kate when she doesn't know she's taking photos. When I, let's try that again. Yeah, I'm going to start taking photos of Kate when she doesn't know I'm taking photos of her because I do miss those quirky candid photos and and it's it's harder and harder to get the fun candid photos anymore none of the none of the photos i have in my phone like feel the same way that the photos that are in the box in my mom's house feel that's because and they all come out of a shoe box and all the photos of your phone are shoes <laughs> <laughs> the photos in my mom's house come out of a shoe box and the photos in my phone are of a shoebox. All right. But um, wait, one more thing that hammers this point home is like that I think about all of the time is that in in my book, What Made Maddie Run about Madison Holleran, I had her computer so I can see every photo she took and I can see how many times the she different took iterations, photos yeah. and the different iterations. So like, cause I have her, you know, I had her computer. So it's like I launch iPhoto or whatever, and I can see how many times she took a photo, manipulated a photo. And the photo she put up three hours before she died, she took seven times. Yeah. And then countless permutations of that photo. And I'm like, wow, so that's where we're at? That, like, your public persona and the way you want people to absorb who you are trumps even your internal feelings. And that's crazy. And so I, I like your suggestion because it's like one not like I was gonna I was gonna get on at the end of the show and be like everyone throw your phones away let's all get an RV and move out to Arizona but you went with a baby step which I think is smarter which is next time just take one photo and live with it yeah and roll with it 
which I think was probably better than, you know, throwing your phone in the ocean and running away from <laughs> right. life. Let's, let's not go that But far. this is how I always go. Like, I'll be like, mm, I don't like, you know, like five years ago, I'm like, mm, I don't like my job. I should shave my head and travel the world. <laughs> like, there's never really an in-between with me. My baby is into extremes. I do like extremes, but I usually modulate and land somewhere in the middle. That's true. But I do want to shave my head. And on a total non sequitur, pimento cheese. Lindsay Collins, the producer of this show, just came over today and she brought us her homemade pimento cheese and homemade butter pickle, butter pickles, butter sweet, sweet butter. Is it butter pickles? Bread and butter. Bread and butter pickles. There we go. And they're insane. And she is teaching y'all how to make this pimento cheese. And if you're listening, you're like, what's pimento cheese? It's a Southern thing, y'all. But um, it's divine. Kate, Kate gets like a little uppity around pimento cheese, but she would snack monster chips. She doesn't want to stack monster cheese that is mixed with mayonnaise and other things. It's not a health food. It's not a health food, but it's delicious. And if you go on to F&B Radio on Instagram, you can get her... Um, it's called a recipe, ingredients, create a recipe. And she's also making it with her son. So it's wicked cute. You can follow, well, you can support F&B Radio on Patreon. You can also support this show on, on Patreon. Patreon as well. You can also support the show, not with your dollars. You can support it by reviewing us. That's true. On Apple Podcasts. And leaving nice reviews. And this is normally when I would read the reviews, but maybe it means everyone's going to our Patreon because there's no reviews to read. And... Oh, sad day. It is. I'll ask Ashi to start writing some. The reviewer will be like, DF exclamation point emoji face. Because get it, her paw will be like. But that's she- actually not that different than on most people's <laughs> screen names on Apple Podcasts. But somehow when she gets to the review, it'll just be like poop emojis. <laughs> somehow. Um, I am disappointed. This is where we get to do whatever we want to do. Because nobody listens this far. Um, cause we're I'm, so controlled during the main segment. I'm so disappointed that no one has given me feedback on bleeding love by Leona Lewis. I was wondering if you were going to say something. And I feel like the end of the show is where I can, because like if people wanted to tune out, they could have tuned out and yet I can still maybe snag a couple people who couldn't find the stop button quick enough. Caroline Shay, we will at least be expecting a text message from you about bleeding love. Bleeding love by Leona Lewis amazing and you rocked it again and again or trash thank you god bless